into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek for June 15th. I am Caroline Gonzalez alongside John DeShazer, and this is the final podcast of the 2020-2021 year approaching the 2021 season, which is crazy to think about, JD. I looked up the numbers. Since March 18th of last year, when we were right in the thick of the pandemic, the start of it, you know, things got shut down. We have done 134 podcasts since March 18th of last year throughout COVID. We we never really stopped. We or you. <laughs> okay. Mostly we. I didn't look up how many you joined yeah, me. About but 134 just sounds crazy. Yeah, yeah. I know I hadn't done 134. So that would be you. That would be a great tribute to you because, yeah, I might have done 34 of those 134, maybe. <laughs> Whatever. You're my co-host. <laughs> you know, we, we really just didn't stop. Obviously, we needed something to look forward to during the podcast. Our first podcast guest at the start of COVID was Benjamin Watson kind of talking about how all of this was going to go. He was dealing with, you know, his kiddos, his team inside his house. Um, and it's really just been crazy, but happy to, uh, you know, kind of be on the other side of this thing and seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, JD. Yeah, uh, finally feels like we're coming out of it. And I, I've forgotten all about Benjamin, uh, Benjamin Watson. He, Benjamin's going to have a start in five and a, and a sixth man and a seventh man, I believe, or a seventh yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I've forgotten all about uh, how long ago it had been. And, you know, because now it seems like we're coming out of it. it I don't want to say, I don't want to call it a fog lifting because it's been such a serious thing to address yeah. COVID-19, but it does kind of feel like you're finally seeing some sunshine on the other end of it and maybe, maybe getting back to something that resembles what we were accustomed to beforehand. Absolutely. And we've had some fantastic podcasts over this period of time. I would definitely recommend going back to listen to it. Uh, you weren't on the show, but the podcast with Demario Davis most recently was great about his trip to Djibouti. Um, really just a leader on and off the field for the Saints and for the New Orleans community. So proud to have him on the team. All right. So JD, on today's show, we are really going to do kind of a bird's eye view of, uh, you know, this past off season, what's gone on for the black and gold, and then look ahead head to training camp storylines as we are quickly approaching that July 27th start date for Saints training camp. So, um, you know, first things first, obviously Drew Brees retirement becomes official. Um, really, you know, this team inside and out, JD, you, you've had the heartbeat of them for the past several seasons and you don't know the Saints really without Drew Brees. So what does retirement mean for the team as a whole and especially from a leadership perspective and setting setting the standard as we approach the offseason? Well, I, you know, the good thing is I don't think they go back to ground zero as as they did when Drew Brees initially came in. Um, this was a really, really uh, bad team when Drew Brees joined it in 2006. Uh, hence the reason they needed a franchise type quarterback or a good quarterback to come in and hopefully, you know, with the first year coach, Sean Payton, hopefully turn the program around. So it's a vastly different foundation from when Drew Brees joined the team, much more solid now. Now, are you going to miss a Drew Brees? Of course you are. He's the leading passer in NFL history, proved more yards than anybody has ever done. Uh, Tom Brady will soon overtake that, we know. But currently, as we stand now, uh, Drew Brees has more passing yards than anybody in the history of the NFL, and he got the vast majority of those with the Saints. 
So you miss that. You miss that element. You miss the production. You miss the guy who is the face of the franchise. Uh, you miss the guy who can command the attention of everyone on the team, as you mentioned, from that leadership standpoint. But they've got some guys who can step in to that void. Now, will it be the same as Drew Brees? No, but we've seen Demario Davis, and not just from a standpoint of leading the pregame huddle, but the presence he has uh, with his teammates. Uh, Cam Jordan, the presence he has with his teammates on offense. Teron Armstead, the presence he has with his teammates. Uh, even Alvin Kamara, kind of a quiet guy and, and maybe more of a, a do-it-by-example guy, but when he says something, it's meaningful. So I don't think there will be a leadership void from that standpoint because there's so many players on a football team that you might have one major one, one voice that stands above all, but then you'll have eight to ten voices underneath that that are well-respected in a locker room. So I don't necessarily know if there will be a big, big void from that standpoint because we saw uh, Demario Davis can give a pregame speech that'll make you run through run through an oak tree. <laughs> right. So you know they won't be missing they won't be missing anything from that standpoint. Uh, what you do miss, obviously, or, or what you you think you'll miss, and and there's no reason to not think this is you know the production standpoint. Can you get the same level of production, or will you even need the same level of production? You might not need 4,500 passing yards, but I think you do need what Drew Brees gave in terms of. Uh, not turning the ball over, being safe with the football. Can you get that out of that position? Because if you go from Drew Brees's eight to 10 turnovers per season for the last three, four years, if you jump that up to 17, that's a significant difference. Yeah. And so that's what you want to see if they can be manageable with. But from the, from the leadership standpoint, I think they've got enough voices around uh, who have been around and who have enough skins on the wall, enough accomplishments to where when they say something, uh, it's meaningful and, and, and the teammates will listen. And I think we're not giving enough credit to Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill having time under Drew to see mm -hmm. how he's a professional teaching, uh, you know, the ins and outs of, you know, how to conduct themselves on the field, off the field, in the locker room and workouts and things like that. But, you know, clearly a huge storyline approaching this year is the battle between Jameis and Taysom. So let's strictly look at what we've seen in the offseason off season so far. We've heard of Jameis Winston inviting a few wide uh, receivers out to join him in LA, including Traquan Smith. Um, you know, what have you specifically seen from Jameis and Taysom in the offseason and maybe a little bit in OTAs? Well, I think that's what those guys try to do. They try to jump into the leadership void um, that, you know, has left been left when, when Drew Brees retires. Yeah. Uh, again, you've got to do things your way. Um, Taysom Hill, th these guys know so much about Taysom already. He's been on the roster since 2017. You forget that he essentially was a part of that rookie class uh, with Marshawn Lattimore and Alvin yeah. Kamara because he was an undrafted guy who they brought over from Green Bay in 2017. So when you look at it from that perspective, it's even more impressive that year's rookies. Uh, but they know what he can do. Uh, he's gained so much respect in the locker room, not just as a quarterback, but from his willingness to play special teams, to play tight end, to play fullback, to do whatever has been necessary for the team to be successful. So He's already got a lot of cachet in that locker room. But Jameis Winston's been a guy who has started 70 NFL games, I think I counted, and been extremely productive in a lot of those games. Uh, really, his, his turnovers blew up that last year in Tampa. But for the most part, he hadn't, I mean, he hadn't thrown anywhere near 30 interceptions in a season 
Otherwise, he probably would have been out of the NFL if he'd have done that for four <laughs> times. So, you know, you look at it from that standpoint. But the thing that's most impressive about Jameis Winston is I don't care how far back you research him. I've never read or heard a teammate say anything negative about him. Mm. Um, everywhere he's been, they have loved him. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't mean L-O-V-E love. I mean L-U-V love him. And Thank so, you for the distinction because yeah, we really, truly really needed one. Yeah, they have lived him. And that's been the same, even with the Saints. Um, last year, his initial um, his initial foray into being in New Orleans is, you know, you think the guy's going to come in. You think that, you know, he's going to be kind of an outsider. People are going to have to warm to him. And they took to him. I mean, he, they love I'm, I've spoken to some somebody, I won't call the name, who said, look, I really didn't, I didn't want to like him. I did. I really did not want to like him. Yeah. And once I met him, I couldn't help myself. Yeah. He's been that kind of guy everywhere he's been in the NFL, uh, going back to Florida State, going back to his high school days. And so he's been nothing less than magnificent from that standpoint. So now it's just got to translate to the field. Both of those guys have the respect of their teammates. Now it's got to translate to the field because having respect is one thing, you know, off the field or in the hole, whatever. Now you got to produce consistently for this team. Uh, um, Tate Hill got a four-game cameo, so they kind of got a feel for some of the things that he can do and some of the things he can do well. You think you know what Jameis Winston can do well, but what can he do well in the Saints offense as it's designed to go? So it'll be interesting to see how that goes from that perspective, but I think they've got two guys that they're really, really comfortable with. That's what they've seen the entire offseason, um, and that's what they've stayed with. They're comfortable with the two guys that they have. Is it fair, J.D., to judge Taysom Hill at the quarterback position based off of the few games that he had with the team last year when Drew was dealing with his several thousand rib injuries? <laughs> I really don't know if it is um, because one of the games was against Denver when Denver didn't have a quarterback and then they changed the, the approach to that game where they right. didn't basically didn't even allow him to throw. So really you kind of got a three-game cameo, I guess, so to speak. Uh, didn't play well against Philadelphia, played well in the two Atlanta games, still turned the ball over, you know, a ton of times in four game increment, uh, even, even though it was, you know, a small sample size, but you know, that's, that's been proven out with, with Taysom Hill that he has had some ball security uh, issues with the saints, but I don't know if it's necessarily fair to say, okay, we saw four games. We've seen enough to know everything he can do. Yeah. I just don't, I, I don't buy that. I, I just, I don't like that approach. I do like the Saints bigger picture approach of saying, okay, we're going to make this a flat footed race, you know, starting from the same point with both of you guys. And let's see what both of you guys can produce, you know, given the opportunity, because, you know, a four game, again, a four game cameo and really three, because the one of those games was kind of taken away in that Denver game, isn't a big sample size to say, we know definitively everything this guy can do in the NFL. Now, does that mean he's going to be able to beat out James Winston? I don't know, because James Winston has started a lot of NFL games, and James Winston has a special arm. He can, he can fit it in. You hear people talk about, you know, windows. He can fit it into some tight windows. He can fit it into some spaces that not a lot of people can, and that's one of the things he has. If he is more judicious with his throws, and he says he's learned a lot from sitting behind Drew Brees, about what not to do hmm. and that's a that's a big battle in any sport i mean basketball football but whatever it is the team that commits the fewest errors 
usually is a successful team. So can he cut down his errors? If, will, if, will he take the dump off pass? Well, it's a whole lot easier to dump it off to Alvin Kamara than, it is, than it's been to the guys he's had in his past, past experiences. So, you know, I expect really his turnovers to go down, you hope, because of what he's experienced, what he saw from Drew Brees last year. And he know, you know, hopefully he'll know better when to take chances, when to throw the home run ball and when not to. Right. Okay, JD, let's shift a little bit to the draft picks for this season. Um, another addition or another thing that happened this offseason is Peyton Turner uh, discovered roaches in New Orleans. <laughs> he tweeted the other day, uh, you know, when roaches start flying, that's when things get killed um, because that is definitely a problem here in New Orleans. And uh, he was welcomed to it bright and early, I can imagine, as soon as he got here in New Orleans for, uh, for minicamp. Look, he, he went to school at the University of Houston. He knows about flying roaches. He ain't fooling No, it's Stop different that. here. It's different <laughs> here, J.D. I'm telling you, I've seen like three the size of like maybe three inches since I've been here. And it's... Well, I'm, I'm born and raised in Georgia, so I know, I know a thing or two about flying roaches. So, but, you know, that, that said, you know, hey, that can be a little unsettling. They're ter- no, not unsettling, terrifying. Well, yeah, terrifying. I, I, yeah, if, you, if you're not from it, if you're not accustomed to it, it can throw you a little bit. So hopefully Peyton's got the, you know, do people still use Raid? I don't know if people still use Raid or not. I but, just use my slipper. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, that's a mess. But hopefully, hopefully he can kind of get himself together now that he's gotten over the shock. Welcome to New Orleans, Peyton. Right. I take uh, I take roaches over oh, cicadas any day. Is that how you say it? Cicadas? I've never seen one. So I don't I've know. Never you know, I just see them, you know, crawling over, over people on, on videos and stuff. But I have not ever seen one in person and hope to not see one. Yeah, hope to not see one. All right. Getting back on track here on June 8th, uh, it was announced that, you know, Mickey Loomis and the Saints saying that Mickey Loomis and the Saints, excuse me, signed the draft class to four year contracts. Um, if you need some, uh, you know, reminder, it was defensive end Peyton Turner, linebacker Pete Werner, cornerback Paulson Adebo, quarterback uh, Ian Book and offensive tackle Landon Young and finally wide receiver Kawan Baker. He's always going to stick out in my mind after that uh, that draft pick done by our VPs. Um, but anyway, JD, you know, those draft picks, obviously a lot of expectation um, for a few players. Who are you expecting the most out of this offseason? Well, I, I expect really to see the most out of Pete Werner one way in the at linebacker because the Saints really have Demario Davis at linebacker as a proven player. Uh, other than him, uh, they're hoping to get some production out of Zach Vaughn, who was a rookie last year. And from there, I think Pete Werner would be the natural guy to step in and play, uh, it seems like, at linebacker. So he might get on the field first uh, from my vantage point, unless, you know, some some other guys like Caden Ellis jump up into the equation that, you know, we don't necessarily name all the time. But I think they drafted Pete Werner uh, for a reason, and that reason was to play and to play early and not just special teams. Um, Peyton Turner is going to play because, you know, he's a he's a defensive end, and you yep. can't have too many good defensive ends or defensive linemen in the NFL. Uh, he looks to be productive. You heard guys already talk about his strength, uh, how he deceptively uh, has that strength. He looks a whole lot physically uh, and in a, probably in a football uniform like Marcus Davenport. So Marcus Jr. <laughs> yeah, Marcus Jr. Jr. So you hope that he can, you know, give you some of that production consistently. He looks like he's going to play. I believe Adebo's going to play. Mm. Uh, 
the cornerback. Uh, he might be playing some nickel, might be playing some in the slot. But again, a high draft pick at defensive back. And that's a position that I think the Saints, you know, obviously have need there. Uh, they're still looking to see if they can add a quality cornerback. Um, maybe uh, Debo is the answer to what they're looking for because, you know, you've got Marshawn Lattimore on one side, but, you know, hopefully you're going to have somebody to play the other side. That might be an opportunity for a Debo to play. And, and a guy I think who's going to sneak in and play some could be wrong. I think Baker's going to play some. I think Juan Baker's going to play some. You know, the Saints don't have – they have receivers, but they don't have a lot of experienced receivers. Mm. And a receiver can, we know can get on the field playing special teams and being the fifth receiver or so. Uh, we saw it last year with Marquez Callaway yeah. Yeah. Rookie, get on the field early for the Saints. Uh, you can make your bones if you're willing to play special teams. Kawan Baker's got some size. He's got some speed. He's got the combination to be an effective special teams player. And that's probably the quickest route to him getting on the field and from there as we've seen unfortunately in past seasons receivers get hurt (laughs) you know they get hurt and he'll probably have a chance to play because guys get hurt and you need somebody to step up and play and it's unfortunate that guys get hurt but that's the reality of the game so that could be the the avenue for him to get on the field if last year showed us anything, it was that any player at any time can play because, I mean, look at the Denver Broncos, what happened yeah. with that game last year. We had our own situation. So uh, you got to be ready at any any circumstance to go out there uh, and put up some numbers. All right. So, J.D., shifting to these training camp storylines, first of all, kind of insane that we're already at training camp. And how excited are you to finally be able to see players again? Because it's been a while. When was the last time you were at even a practice or a training camp, JD? Yeah, I mean, we did some last year, but it it just wasn't the same. Um the you know the the access and the and the movement, it just wasn't the same. So, you know, I'm looking forward to it from the standpoint of just you know, the biggest storyline being, you know, the Saints don't know who their starting quarterback is right now. Yeah. Or if they do know, they ain't telling nobody. <laughs> but, you know, right now, there is a genuine quarterback competition. And and for 15 years, that was a moot point. You walked in knowing Drew Brees was the guy. Yeah. And now the, you get some intrigue. So I'm sure, you know, every pass is going to be charted over, over the training camp. And it's just going to be ad nauseum. And some of it's, you know, just overkill because every missed throw is going to be overanalyzed and every completion is going to be overanalyzed. And, you know, that's what we do. But that adds some fun to it because it gives you something to kind of look forward to. It's kind of, you know, juicy up for the day. But I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back out there. I'm, I'm looking forward to I, I know fans are looking forward to getting back out there because the vast majority of them weren't able to get to games. Yeah. If you can't get in a game, training camp is going to be the next best thing you have this year. And they didn't have that last year. So, you know, the things that you miss that you didn't think you would miss kind of jump out. And, and, and those are a couple of the things, you know, the fans and the quarterback, the actual quarterback competition. I miss your tweets, JD. I can't wait for your tweets to tell me how many times Jameis licked his fingers as opposed to Taysom flicking his. No, that ain't that ain't me. That's now that's that's my guy, my 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 good guy Nick Underhill. I bet you Nick's gonna have that. I bet you he will, and I hope he looks at this podcast. And I, and if, if he does, I guarantee you the machete 
will have such a statistic. He will have that. I, I guarantee he will. Oh, man, I can't wait to turn on my notifications <laughs> for you again. Make sure, Saints fans, uh, if you aren't following John DeShazer, that is your inside source into training camp practice. Uh, what's your at name, at John DeShazer? I think it's pretty simple. Yeah, that's it. All right. Um, so you mentioned uh, Jameis versus Taysom. Is there anything specifically, J.D., I know we talked about it a little bit at the beginning of the show, uh, that you're going to be looking for in this competition? Let's just uh, let's just, you know, set aside Taysom's performance last year, set aside Jameis's last year in Tampa Bay. Is there anything specifically that you're looking for going into training camp? Well, you're always looking for accuracy. Um, that, that's the main thing. You're looking for accuracy and since Jameis is saying how much he learned from Drew Brees, I want to see the the instances where there's nothing there where he just eats the ball or throws it away um, or, or takes the you know, quote-unquote sack in training camp because those are important plays. It doesn't seem like much when it's happening, when a guy takes a, a sack in training camp. But a lot of times that's a good decision because you're not turning it over. Mm. You're not forcing the ball. You are keeping the ball for your team. And even if it leads to a punt, you're putting your defense out there saying, get the ball back for me. I trust you and, and, and allow me uh, the opportunity to do something with it. But you don't want to make the bad play. You don't want to compound a bad play, a sack, with something worse. So I want to see both of those guys do that and, and see both of them. You know, they can say what they want to say. There's some pressure involved because competition is pressure. Uh, you want to look good on every rep. You want to make the right read or the, uh, the right decision on every rep. So it'll be interesting to see from that standpoint, you know, who's got the wisdom that both of them believe that they've gained from that year of playing behind Drew Brees uh, and from that year of playing uh, actual games for Taysom Hill at quarterback. So you want to see, you know, for me, I want to see the, the accuracy and the decision-making because both of those guys have good arms. Uh, so both of them can chuck it. Both of them can, you know, throw it deep. Both of them, you know, Taysom's probably got a bit more mobility from that standpoint. You give him that check. Uh, James probably got the bigger arm. You give him that check. Um, but I want to see the decision-making uh, and the accuracy from both of them. Staying on the offense, uh, it's weird not to have mentioned Michael Thomas at this point in the show, but really last year with those injuries, only playing seven games and really not even being at 100% for a lot of those seven games, um, it certainly feels like this year Michael Thomas is going to come out, you know, licking his chops. Yeah, you almost feel like you add you add a free agent or you add a rookie or something because, you know, basically Michael, Michael Thomas was – essentially unavailable last year. Um, and you mentioned he was hurt and, and he was a shell of himself in some of those games where he did play. So you get a healthy Michael Thomas back and now your offense becomes totally different because you've got that guy who you can depend on, whether it's Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill, or, you know, it can, it might be me playing quarterback with Michael Thomas. You just don't know because he's going to make sure that he gets available and, you know, he, he makes contested catches. He makes 50-50 catches. He makes catches in crowds. Uh, he takes big hits. Those are the things that this offense is going to need as it grows with a new quarterback. You need that guy who not only is dependable for himself, but draws attention so that other people can get open. <laughs> you need that kind of guy on your team. And so having him back, having him healthy is huge for this offense. Would you say the offense L-O-V-E's him or L-U-V's him? 
Oh, it's LUV on the field. Ain't no doubt about that. You you gotta love you gotta love him on the field. <laughs> you gotta love him on the field because of what he does. I mean, you know, when a guy catches 149 passes a couple of years ago, who can't love that when you're playing with him? Because again, he makes life easier for you. Uh, uh, whatever position you're playing, he makes life easier. Yeah. Well, it's no secret, JD, the Saints have tried to kind of fill that number two spot for a few years now. You had it with Emmanuel Sanders last year. Marquez Calloway stepped up in a few games. Um, but really, what does it seem like the Saints have done this offseason to approach that that number two position? Well, what they've done is they've told Traquan Smith, be available, mm. be ready, because this is why they drafted him. They drafted him to be a player in the NFL. And he's had some, he's had some flashes, but flashes only mean you're inconsistent. That's exactly what it means. You flash here and there, but you don't do it consistently. They need Traquan Smith to be available consistently and they need him to be a playmaker consistently. And he can when he's healthy, but again, that's been the bugaboo for him. He hadn't been available all the time. He hadn't been consistent all the time. And so a lot of faith was shown by the Saints to not pursue a receiver in free agency and to not really and to not draft one until the seventh round in Kwan Baker. Yeah. They have some belief in Traquan Smith. Marquez Callaway is really good. I think he's going to be a lot. Well, he's going to be just last year. He was, I don't want to say a revelation, but man, he was a good find last year. Uh, he, he was a, a drafted pick kind of find. And let's not forget, forget Deontay Harris, who is yeah. transitioning a little bit more to a receiver spot where he can help you with deep passes and even not deep passes, intermediate stuff, because he runs so fast, no DB wants to get up close to him and have him run right by him and catch a 70 yard touchdown. So he creates cushion every time he's on the field. So they got some options there. And let's not also forget if you really, I guess if you want to put a pencil to it and say number two receiver, you can always write in Alvin Kamara because <laughs> 80 passes in each of his first three seasons, each of his four, first four seasons, excuse me, at least 80 passes. So, you know, you get that availability from Kamara in the passing game too, uh, but they do need one of those outside guys to step up. They hope it's going to be Traquan Smith. I know he's trained really, really hard this off season. Um, he's really gone after it. He just needs to stay healthy. Uh, that's the main thing with him. He's got to maintain his health. And that's a lot easier said than done because in the NFL, it's a collision sport where guys get hurt all the time. But and his misfortune has been being one of those guys who gets hurt. He needs to be available. Uh, and I think the Saints will will find what that they like a whole lot about him if he's out there consistently. I think a lot of us will, but he's got to be available consistently. Speaking of consistency and being available, uh, looking at the defense, Marcus Davenport, we talked about him again a little bit earlier in the show, but he in OTA said he feels like it's going to be his best year. Uh, you know, we talked about Peyton Turner joining the team, but what are you expecting to see out of Marcus Davenport? Because again, it seems like every year we're expecting him to kind of have this breakout and he shows us flashes, but it's not consistent. So what would you like to see out of Marcus Davenport? And do you think Peyton Turner has the capability to kind of overshadow Marcus Davenport? Well, I'm going to give you a quick correction. You said it seems like every year. No, it don't seem like it is every year. Thank you. Every year, every year. 
we've been, you know, waiting and, and expecting and hoping and, yeah. you know, that, that they, this could be the year for Marcus Davenport. And as you said, he's just been injured every year. Uh, there's been something and he's got the ability. Um, there's no doubt he's got the ability to be a, not a, not a good player. He's got, he's got great player ability. Yeah. but he's just got to be available. Uh, and that's the biggest thing with him. When he produces, you look at his numbers and it's not even always in the numbers with him, even though he gets a decent amount of sacks and pressures, but it's the disruption that he causes when you watch him on the field and you're saying, man, if this dude can play 15 games, his numbers will bear out how much of a factor he is. He hadn't been able to do it. And the thing is, that's why you that's why you draft a Peyton Turner, though, because Peyton Turner has some of those physical attributes that Marcus Davenport has. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why you draft and hold on to a Carl Granderson, uh, because he can be disruptive also. Now, you've got to also have some some relief for Cam Jordan on the other side. Uh, Cam won't admit it, but, you know, he's played 10 NFL years. And, you know, sooner or later, you start slowing down, although with him, you know, the, no, the, Cam is never the, leader, the leader might come a whole lot more later with him because of the way he goes at it. But you still need that rotation to keep everybody fresh. So that's why you need as many good defensive linemen as you can have. Uh, that's why the Saints take a Peyton Turner, because you can't have too many good ones. Uh, that's why they're depending on Marcus Davenport to be healthy. Uh, that's why they have a Carl Granderson uh, that allows them, I don't want to say the luxury of, of, of being able to part weight or allow Trey Hendrickson to sign elsewhere, because Trey Hendrickson just got great money and the Saints wouldn't have been able to match it. Yeah. But we are able to bring in somebody that you think can replicate some of the things that Trey Hendrickson did uh, in Carl Granderson. And you hope that Peyton Turner can develop and be, you know, a Marcus Davenport, you know, junior, junior, as Cam Jordan likes to say. And hopefully he can do those things because, but the main thing there is Marcus needs to stay healthy um, because he can play defensive end. He can play defensive tackle in rush situations. Uh, he's a freak athletically. He's a strong kid, even though he's tall and lean, but he's extremely strong. He just needs to stay healthy. If he stays healthy, if he's healthy and Cam Jordan's healthy and Cam never seems to miss a game, <laughs> they, they will have the bookend that they, that they really thought they were going to have when they drafted Marcus. Because when Marcus is out there, he's really disruptive. When Cam's out there, he's really disruptive. And now with David Onyemata in the middle, just mauling people. Yeah, You've got a combination of guys on that line who wreak havoc, especially if it's, you know, third and seven and you know they got to throw it. They wreak a lot of havoc. You know, J.D., I have no doubt that you listened to our uh, episode with Demario Davis last week, but I asked him, uh, so you already know the answer, but for our listener, I'll, I'll tell the listener the answer. So I asked Demario, who on the team has 100% talent, has 10 out of 10 talent, but gets about 30% of the recognition? And his answer to that question was David Onyemata and Marcus Williams. He said uh, Marcus Williams was probably the top three free safety in the NFL. Um, and from coming from Demario Davis, I mean, he's been around, he's seen some things. Uh, so having that much praise for both David Onyemata and Marcus Williams, um, you know, goes a long way. But when you take a look at the cornerback room, uh, JD, Jack, uh, Janoris Jackrabbit Jenkins departing this offseason, you need kind of like you were mentioning bookend, you need someone uh, opposite of Marshawn Lattimore. Who do you see that being this year for the Saints? Right now, I just don't know. Um, 
I mentioned Adebo, but it could be Patrick Robinson. It could be P.J. Williams. And, and at this very moment, I know the Saints are still uh, interested in, in at least looking at other uh, more, more veteran defensive backs who are still on the market. Uh, but right now, we just don't know who the other guy is going to be. And that's a huge question because Jack Rabbit was a reliable starter, a really good starter for the Saints. I mean, he was a fantastic bookend for, for Marshawn Lattimore. And so now, you know, can it be P-Rob over 16 games? Or can it be P.J. Williams, you know, over 16 games? Or can it be Paulson Adebo over 16 games? We just don't know right now uh, what the Saints have. Um, and so, and, he, and even then, the guy might not even be in the building yet, as I just mentioned. Right. Uh, they might come up on him late. I mean, there was a late season trade that brought them Jack Rabbit. No, Jack Rabbit had been released, I'm sorry. So a, a late season acquisition brought Jack Rabbit Jenkins to the Saints in the beginning. So maybe it's going to be a late offseason addition that brings them the guy who's going to be starting at that other cornerback position. Just don't know yet. Um, I just don't know yet, and I don't know how comfortable the Saints are to go into the season if they had to go in exactly how they are. I know they feel good with their defense, but how good do you feel at that one cornerback position? And the thing is, you might not need a superstar over there if everybody else, quote unquote, does their job because you're pretty good defensively. Yeah, uh, You've got a lot of good pieces, so you can take some pressure off that guy if you can apply pressure, uh, if you can play you know, a little bit, you know, give him a little bit more help over on that side if he needs it, whoever it is. You know, there are going to be some situations where you got to play man to man. That's just the way the NFL is. <laughs> you, you're going to apply some pressure and that guy's going to be over there and it's going to be, you need to cover that guy on this occasion. Who's best in the Saints system or on the Saints roster to do that right now outside of Marshall Animal? We just don't know. Uh, we can't say definitively. Uh, that'll be a big, big question going into training camp. And it'll be a big, big answer coming out of training camp, exactly who does line up over there. J.D., there are so many things we can talk about. We've talked about cornerbacks. There's a linebacker competition, the, the center competition, punter. We didn't even touch that. Cornerbacks. I have to imagine I'd love to be a fly on the wall in the Saints team meeting room because I, I imagine Sean Payton's just relishing at the opportunity to just kind of have a clean slate going into this year. As you mentioned, you have a lot of pieces, but figuring out how, how all of those pieces fit together going into the 2021 training camp. Well, and, and let's let's not discount the players. Look, I, the players loved Drew Brees and they loved playing with him. But you can't tell me that those dudes aren't sitting around saying everybody thought Drew Brees was the only reason we were a playoff team or the only reason we could win a division or the only reason we were Super Bowl uh, contenders or, you know, whatever. Those guys have pride and those guys are saying, you know what? We can do this without him. Now, yeah, he, he was real productive, and we loved him, and, we, and we're always going to love him, but we can do this without him. These are pro athletes. These guys hear people talking about them saying, without Drew Brees, they're going to fall back into the pack. They hear that. They understand that. They might not admit it, but they hear it and they know it. Yeah. And if you're a competitor, which they are, then that's, that's going to make you feel some type of way, especially if you won four straight division championships <laughs> that's going to make you feel some type of way that people are just saying you can't win it at all. You can't win anything. Now you want, you might not even be a playoff team. That's going to make you feel some type of way. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what kind of chip these guys play with early because, 
you're always looking for motivation. Uh, always. Yeah. Every athlete that I've ever spoken to is always looking for some kind of motivation. Well, they got it. It's right there in their lap. And, and they can, again, they can downplay it all they want to. They can not admit it. They can pretend they don't hear it. But I know that these guys, and, and you know, these guys, they're on social media. <laughs> I'm sure they watch TV. They know what they are saying. Never on social media. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So they know exactly what people are saying about them. And, and I'm sure they want to prove some people wrong. Of course. Uh, all right, JD. Well, before we wrap things up, what are you working on over the next few weeks as we head into this kind of hiatus before we start training camp? Or is there anything these fans can look out for? Yeah, we have a slew of player interviews slash profiles slash features, whatever you want to call them, folks. Um, they're coming out on NewOrleansSaints.com. Myself, uh, Sam Shannon, and Henry, whose last name I can't pronounce. I think it's Valier. Valier. Yeah, I think it's Valier too. Henry Valier, but you know, two two young guys who who um, who work with us also in digital. Uh, good writers, uh, great writers, and we're gonna have, like I said, a, a just feature after feature on some of these guys that we talked to at minicamp during these Zoom interviews and some of those things. So it just kind of gets you a little bit of feel for what these guys are talking about and thinking about as they came out of minicamp and as they go into training camp and some of them approach uh, their second or third NFL seasons. Just going to be a good little uh, good little pieces on them to just kind of reflect on, you know, the progress they've made as they approach training camp. And as we mentioned, 134 podcasts just since March 18th of last year. Of course, plenty in the arsenal to go back and listen to uh, as we approach this little hiatus before July 27th, the start date for training camp. All right, Saints fans, your checklist before training camp begins. You need to download the Saints app. You need to make sure your notifications are turned on. You need to follow at Saints on social media. Make sure you're following at John DeShazer. It is D-E-S-H-A. A-Z-I-E-R. Make sure you're doing all of that so you can make sure you're ready for training camp when the day comes. All right. For John DeShager, I am Caroline Gonzalez. That'll do it for the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Until July. Until July.